Welcome to the Race to Rugby World Cup pod with Ron and Adam from the side of the road, somewhere on the planet. Okay, episode two. Can you believe it? The Race to Rugby World Cup is on. <laughs> um, if you've listened to episode one, you can um, make sense that we hadn't done anything yet, but most of these episodes going forward, we'll be sharing a story from the last podcast to the next. We've cycled roughly 120 kilometers at this point where we sit in. And yeah, it's, it's kicked off, it started, and we're on our way to Auckland and Paris. Yeah, so pretty crazy. We had this uh, big dream and it's been months and months and years, in fact, in the planning. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know, I think we both sort of half-halved each other yesterday, just going, it's now started. We set a date in, this, in the sand. We said we're gonna start on the 15th of Jan. We set that date months ago. And there were so many reasons, whether it was lack of sponsors or COVID or injury or whatever it was to delay the start. And I think we're both just so relieved now that we're actually on the road yeah. um, and the weight off our shoulders of all the planning and just now it's about execution. It was hell of exciting. Uh, lots of friends and family pulled in. Yeah. Uh, we, we, went, <laughs> we went to a, a local watering hole, Vasco de Gama's, and had uh, five too many uh, beers, but <laughs> that's... It's the start of the trip, get the jitters out of there. That was and an hour before we started, just to be clear. Yeah, just to be clear, yeah. <laughs> Night before we started. And then, yeah, we met at about 6.30 at Greenpoint Stadium, DHL Stadium. Um, and uh, we had Ron's mate, Dan Nickel, uh, meet us there. And, and um, your other friend, Matthew Pierce. Yeah. And about how many? 60, 70 yeah, uh, cool, friends though, and yeah. family that got on their bikes. <laughs> Uh, some on an old 1970 ice cream bicycle and some on their brand new e-bikes. Um, so all were welcome and it was a good send-off. No, I mean, yeah, and it's, for me, it was obviously quite nostalgic. Uh, when I did my first trip in 2013, cycling to the World Cup in England, left from exactly the same spot um, and four or five or six of the same mates that joined me on that day eight years ago were there. Matt Pierce, as I say, he saw me off in 2013. He was there yesterday. So very nostalgic. Um, and the massive difference, A, having a partner this time, <laughs> and also just kind of having a, the quiet confidence of knowing that we've kind of done everything we can to prepare for this trip. Um, and it really is up to us. And we've dreamt up this audacious thing. Um, and, and knowing that, yeah, we're both fully in and giving ourselves every chance to finish it. Yeah. So cool. So, yeah, about the route from kilometer zero to 120. Um, yesterday we, you know, we kept it real, real um, light. We wanted uh, friends and family, kids of all ages to join. Uh, we kicked off from Cape Town, DHL Stadium, and, and we headed towards Kailicha, which um, is a well-known township in South Africa. Unfortunately, some for the wrong reasons, but going through there yesterday, it was actually amazing to see the community and the people waving and cheering us on and understanding um, that, you know, there's, there's not just negative negativity and, you know, sometimes the media can spin up the wrong stories. We met some amazing people and we entered into uh, the Velikaya Life Cycling Academy um, where, where we handed over some bikes. So off the first 30 kilometers of our trip, 
did something great. Yeah, six kids or yeah, six young people at the bikes will be donated to Velokaya. And what an inspiring place. I mean, Sipo, who runs it, giving us his whole backstory and the way it's come about. And I think it's just, you know, it reinforces the power of sport to make a difference. You know, we're obviously raising funds for a rugby program, but you see bicycling doing exactly the same thing. And again, in this Kailiche, which has a reputation for, you know, violence and, and misery and poverty. And there's obviously a lot of that, but right in the heart of Kailiche, um, there's this, like this program which is just completely opposite in every single way computer center cycling tracks um professional cycling team um and just yeah and it's just the the way that it is like just good showing some real hope in a place where often there's that lacks a lot eh? yeah it was yeah. it was you know it was a great way to kick it off and everyone's dopamine was up yeah. super excited we had a little coffee break and <laughs> but it made a lot of impact on people that big impact and yeah. it gave the, a bit of a motivation that we needed for the next part of the trip because um in the area we were going to uh, it reached about 41 degrees on the one climb and we had some cyclists that had never ridden more than 20 kilometers in their life so they were all jovial but um, as we started hitting that climb and everyone's shirts were leaking from sweat um <laughs> people started realizing what a momentous journey we're about to go on um, but it was all part of the fun and the adventure and, and it was so cool to show our friends and family the different sort of conditions we're going to go through in the yeah. space of 70 kilometers it was also quite humbling to have your 12 year old cousin beating me up hell's <laughs> <laughs> yeah future champion uh, <laughs> but that hell's which is a big climb between Stellenbosch and Franschhoek for those of you who don't know the area um, and again it was exactly the same mountain almost broke me on, on year one um, but yeah 41 degrees going up there it really did split the field um, but I think that sense of accomplishment that people had when they got to Placier on the other side um, the beer tastes so much sweeter um, when you've achieved something and I think for a lot of people you can just see by the people lying on the grass all afternoon <laughs> that took a lot out of them um, but yeah as you say great great way for people to get a taste of what we're in for yeah so cool and yeah, we finished um, off at the Placid and we were quite exhausted. We had a good night's sleep. We stayed in a, a farm cottage. So, we, you know, no camping just yet. Yeah. Uh, soft linen, a, a nice warm shower. Yeah. But we left this morning and finally, and uh, without being rude to our friends and family, we were kind of <laughs> alone and we had time to think and, and just work out what we're about to take on for the next yeah. 600 days. And yeah, we... we we pedaled our way through um, a few small towns, uh, saw a couple grapes along the way. <laughs> uh, we saw a whole lot of birds of prey for some strange reason. There was like five or six that we saw on the way in. Old rugby fields. Yeah, and we made we made our way um, to where we are right now. Oh. And yeah, Irana, if you want to um, do the honors and, and introduce our guest, <laughs> our unique character of rugby and... Uh, yeah, we'll have an interview and go from there. Yeah, so yeah, day two, and I think day one was absolutely magical, but as you say, it really is not an example of what it's going to be like for the next 599 days. Uh, we woke up this morning, also a bit of drizzle and a bit of mist, which was much needed, um, and heading for Riba Castile. Um, and our first guest on the road, Mr. Peter Dotoy. Thank you. It's nice to, be, nice to have you, and luckily, so far, it's going quite well, if I heard from you. <laughs> yeah, well, Peter, I mean, I always talk about on these journeys, um, people say, oh, what was it like crossing those mountains, or what was it like visiting those beaches, or seeing this amazing sights? Um, and I go, it was fantastic, but it's always the people that you meet, and wherever you go on a bicycle, um, the sort of goodness of the human spirit and the goodness of people, it just becomes overwhelming. And we've been on the road a day and a half, and we've already had uh, Mr. Toy treating us to breakfast. So it continues. 
Nein, es ist fantastisch, dich zu haben in Klubenburg. Und ja, ich nehme mein Hut auf für dich für die nächsten 599 Tage. Und wie ich einen Witz gemacht habe, wenn du meinen Support brauchst, ich komme mit meinem TW-Motorbike, aber definitiv nicht auf ein Bicycle. Nicht auf ein Bicycle. Peter, be careful, we take up every offer we get. If you get a phone call in two days time and it's 46 degrees near Clan William. But then I will say I COVID. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's brutally honest. Well, this isn't the this is the first time we've actually met, but I know we we shared a stadium together in in Tokyo um, back at the end of end of 2019. I was on and obviously some fantastic memories. Yeah, I know fantastic memories. Um, I really had enjoyed that whole trip, uh, the World Cup in Japan. I think it was one of the best I ever and I will see uh, because it was so clean and. The And the Japan, Japanese people were so politely always to help the European people. They're throwing all their, their papers around and they pick it up. And I was yeah. when I was coming back and I said, if South Africa only can learn a little bit of things from the Japanese, how polite it is, how clean the land is. And and forget about the rugby, but about the whole land. They have, they have, they have some rules and they stay at the rules. And yeah, I think we can learn a lot, lot from them. But isn't yeah? It's just the most remarkably respectful people in the world. I mean, mm. it, it's just uh, you know, you've travelled a lot. I'm lucky enough to have travelled a lot. But I mean, I think that's the overall. That's the, the the impression that people from South Africa, from the UK, for everybody that visited Japan, particularly for the first time, yeah. they just came back and spoke about the, the goodness of the people there and the respectful people they have for for visitors and themselves and their country. Yeah, I know definitely. Um, I still remember the first game that we was. Looking, it was I think it was in New Zealand who was playing, and 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 on the stadium, all the European people they was drinking the beers and they leave their their chips papers around there. And afterwards, the Japanese was coming cleaner, and there was no getting paid. Yeah, and it is all graduated people, it's doctors and everything. Yes. They don't mind. They just want to keep their land, and they they proud on what they are and what they want to be. You know, and sometimes you you wonder what they <laughs> what they're thinking, you know, when yeah. they see people just leaving rubbish on the on the seats. At the I think stadiums. we are mad. <laughs> <laughs> that was I thinking. <laughs> yeah. um, but Peter, I think first for a little context, we got straight into it. Um, if we can just, yeah, I mean, we're obviously here at your beautiful home um, on your farm here, just outside um, uh, Ribeck Castile. Um, I know your 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 website and your your uh, is very very explains the whole story. But perhaps if you can just give us a little a few minutes about talking about the farm and your history here as a family and uh, we can take it from there yeah I, everybody was a lot of my friends they uh, i have i'm blessed with a lot of friends they're coming from overseas and Johannesburg. and every time they're coming on the farm they say yes but you're staying at a nice place and everything and the day when they're leaving then i was saying to myself do you know we stay at a fantastic place and it, Sometimes you don't see it, but we're staying on the whole big valley. We're staying on a fantastic small piece. Um, especially, I'll say, uh, it's a really, it's a, it's a special place, Rebecca, still. My grandfathers, two grandfathers had bought the farm for my dad in 1956. And my dad was mostly a wine farmer and he didn't never make wine on a farm. Ex-owner had closed the cellar on the farm in 1952, and then I joined my dad in 1986, and then from there on we was farming two years together, and then he was one day just said to me, "Here's the keys of the farm. I live in Tuermanus." I was shocked. I was really was shocked, 
And um, you throw me, really throw me in a deep deep side. Yeah. And um, no, I was 24 years old. Oh, wow. And um, <laughs> he, just, he just said to me, go, go for it. And that was sometimes you must throw somebody into the deep side yeah, to, yeah. to swim. And uh, we had struggle. We had really had struggle. And at the end of the day, we had worked very, very hard. And today I can say, yes, we had built up a successful business so far. And but this is one reason why I had, I'm blessed with the four boys. And we had every year, we had the Olive Festival here, which is now 20 years every year on the farm. And I had, from the beginning, I tried to learn them to work. You must work for your money. You must do something. To, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you must do something. It's, uh, something will not come to you. So you must think out of the box. And with all respect, I say, I think we had, we had success and succeeded with, with one of that things to learn, learn the boys. And what did you, um, when you, so when you took over the farm at 24 years of age, you'd been working on it for two years with your father, is that right? And I was working two years two, together, yes, yeah. Yeah, and then in terms of your, you know, in terms of like the business side, and obviously, I mean, a wine farm and an olive farm comes with a lot of complexity. There's obviously the knowledge about yeah. farming itself. I was at university for, for, for a few years, but then my dad was telling me, okay, I think it's time to come to the farm. I yeah. was for two years on university. I didn't finish. But um, where about Stellenbosch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're saying yes. like an agricultural degree. Agriculturing, yes, yeah. BSc agriculturing, yeah. That, um, but you, you you learn very, very fast if you're working for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's the best education <laughs> in the world. Every, very, very fast. And did you and talk about olives? I mean, I was very naive. You know, you, yeah. you think of the, the Swartland and this the, the Western Cape as being about, all about grapes. Yeah. Um, did you start olives on the farm? My grandfather first planted it. This is the last year when he was on the farm, he had planted the olives. Okay. And that time there was no internet or anything or YouTube you can looking at yeah. you know, how do you plant it how do you do it and he had really had, he had done it but he was he was a really a fitness guy my dad and he was walking a lot into into the mountain and and he had seen the wild olive tree is it's growing quite well in the Ribigberg mountain and that's why I was getting the idea to plant some olives and and the other reason was also to a little bit diversified yeah and then he had, he had never had the privilege to have a harvest. Uh, we had the first harvest on the farm. And then Annalene's dad had bought in a small olive press. And Annalene was starting to make olive jars. Yeah. That's my wife. Sorry, yeah, yeah, it's, my, yeah. it's my wife. Uh, she had started to mature olives and everything. And today she's making quite a lot of, of olive products like olive chutney and also the cosmetic, cosmetic um, soaps and everything. Yeah, and it's getting very popular. I'm, we always, sometimes I'm, I'm a lot jealous because <laughs> she says to me that I had put Kluvenberg on the market as an olive farmer. I said, no, no, you didn't put Kluvenberg on the market. I had put Kluvenberg as a table grape farmer. <laughs> <laughs> so we always had this competition. Uh, but it's nice to have competitions. Oh, but it keeps you on your game. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, and talk a little bit about the the brand, Eight Feet. Um, it's quite an interesting story. Yeah, and that's in its own right. It's a whole, what sort of inspired that? How did that come about? That was when the four boys always had, when in the cellar, we had opened the cellar in 2000 and then the all four boys, always on Sunday evenings, they had come to the cellar. And they follow me because uh, then I give all the labors off on a Sunday evening. And we do know mostly in a, in a season time, we do some pump overs. So not a lot of hard working and cleaning. Yeah. And then the four boys was always in the cellar playing around with the water. And and the one evening, I think it was still 7.30 on a, 
And Aline was walking up and said, hey, the boys must come and eat and sleep tomorrow at school. I think it's only Peter Steff was still in the school and, 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 and no, the rest was still not at pre, pre-schooling. And uh, Peter Steff told to me, but he wanted to make his own wine. And I was laughing and I said, oh, a young guy on the age, 11 years old, thinking now to making his own wine. So that's uh, not too bad. And then the next Saturday, we had started to harvest it, and they was really pump, stamp, stumping the, the, the grapes with their, with their feet. Um, luckily, Anna, my wife, Annalene, was firstly, before they had stumps, make sure that their feet was really clean. <laughs> because for a, for a, for a farm boyki, they always had wearing no shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, and then we was getting, we was just thinking about, uh, Annalene was coming up with the name Eight Feet. And then we had started with the with the wine now, which uh, we'd have the four different cultivars in. And then also Johan had starting with the coffee, the Eight Feet. And now we have the collaboration with Feldskun with the Eight Feet, uh, Feldskun. And then we had, open now during COVID, the restaurant, the uh, Eight Feet Village restaurant, which is an open, open uh, restaurant. So yeah, the Eight Feet, at uh, the brand, it was starting 15 years ago. Yeah. But wow. it was, it is, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a successful business so far. Yeah, it's cool how little, yeah, I always enjoy the sort of the stories about how you sort of, because Eight Feet, I mean, you know, you it's not something you just think about, yeah. you know, with a, a creative agency sitting in Joburg, so what are we going to call a wine brand? Yeah. Yeah. I would have called it Eight Big Feet. <laughs> 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 well, what's the collective weight of, the, of your four sons? Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> it must be, it must be... 400 kilogram plus. <laughs> <laughs> Your food all growing up. I'm glad you got a successful business. Yeah, just to feed because the it's, uh, I think the, I, I will not know who's the biggest feed, but I think <laughs> Johan or Anton, it must be ever to 13. Yeah, all 13, right. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, quite big shoes. Um, and obviously, we, we, you know, we are, we're both rugby fans and adventure fans and cycling to the to the World Cup. So I have to ask about, yeah, again, about uh, Peter Steffs. We were actually at that final, well, I was actually at that final awards dinner yeah. after the World Cup in, in, in 2019 and obviously you know sharing the room with the, the world champions and being a springbok and having cycled there um, it was you know it was an absolute thrill to be able to celebrate you know bring to close that thing evening but uh, for your son to be na- to be named world player of the year it must have been pretty special no it was special special we wasn't there we, we, we was on the, fl- the, the flight back okay and we was flying I think there was this fir- one stop somewhere and we were stopping there, and like we all know, you must put your phone on a, on a flight mode. And when I was putting it on, it was just messages, messages, messages that was coming through. And luckily, out it just happened. And then Peter Steff was calling me before I, I didn't know that he was World Rugby Player of the Year. And I answered him and said, "Yeah, something wrong." I said, "No, did you, did you hear something?" I said, "What? Is there something wrong?" He said, "No, I was." I was World Rugby Player of the Year. I must say congratulations. And yeah, that was a big, I think, for Peter Steff, who was working very, very hard as a, as a young child. And he had so many injuries. And really, he had really, he's a very committed guy. Yeah. He put his, his head on, a, on, on something, he, he will make it. So, and I still remember when he was a young guy, he was laying around here in the evening on a Saturday, on a Friday. And like he always saying, he was playing rugby, yeah? And, um, 
he was always say to me, you want to be a rugby player and a Springbok rugby player because also his grandfather, his grandfather was a well-known rugby, rugby player. Yeah, so it's very much in the family. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. I was going to ask you, that was my next question. Was, was it something that he always... Uh, he was always, always these dreams. You want to be a Springbok rugby player. Yeah. And... Luckily, there's only one clever guy in the family, and that was me who didn't play very well rugby. <laughs> so I must be the farmer. <laughs> well, you produced a, a, crop of, a crop of rugby players. Um, and yeah, I was going to ask you, so obviously your father, yeah. you know, uh, when would he have played in the, the he was he, he was starting in, in, in the 50s, 1956, he was, yeah. and then he had playing for 60, was it? 56 until 62, he had played with his last tour. Yeah. And um, yeah, he was playing prop. And uh, you must remember that when you're going overseas that year, they were three months away from the from, from a farm. Yeah. So uh, he, he wasn't a farmer, man. He was a semi-professional rugby player because he was more on holiday. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, and, and he had a very, very good manager on that stage, um, old guy, who was looking after his farm. Um, yeah, so for three months he was on a ship and they was playing in the old days. Yeah. I mean, I must say, you do, like, you read those stories about those tours. I mean, they must have just had to be the most, I mean, I'm sure you shared stories with your father and yeah, yourself as well, just about. They, I think that, I think they was naughty yeah. <laughs> for respect with, with each other and to pull a lot of tricks on each other. Yeah. But they were, for three months, they're going away and for 21 days to stay on the ship and coming back for 21 days. Yeah, I think that they've, that, I still remember my my dad. He had some very good rugby friends. Yeah, I don't. He was like in Boisai, uh, which you have a lot of good school friends now. But I think rugby friends. If you if you getting go on a trip, and like we all know, sometimes getting be a little bit. Your mate can be a little bit frustrating to say something to you, yeah, and yeah. you must eating up. Or, yeah, and I think for for them, they had built a very nice relationship on each other. The teams. Yeah, I mean, I must say, I mean, again, we we were speaking before we started this about, you know, I've was always an, a very enthusiastic rugby player. I mean, I think I probably had dreams of at least playing for the Natal Banana Boys as they were yeah, at the yeah, time. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, never quite got there. But I mean, I remember back at university, we were like on a super tight budget. And we went on a on a trip to Zimbabwe, yes. you know, organized by the team itself. <laughs> we had these like basically buckies which had converted into... I mean, I'm, I'm sure they weren't road, you know, road legal in terms of uh, putting all the seating in the back. But we had this, you know, this like sort of three-week tour to Zimbabwe. And we still talk about it to this day. So yeah. 25 years later, yes. um, you know, just camping on the side of the field at her, Old Herarians. And uh, there's something about that. Um, it's not adversity, but just that shared experience. No, it's um, And those memories will live with me forever. Forever, forever yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So whether you're playing Springboks or Maritzburg Varsity or schoolboy team, um, there is some, yeah, touring and, and, and rugby, those friendships are, are very, very special. Yeah, that's why we love it. That's why we do love it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, yeah, and I mean uh, yeah, you've obviously, well, how many World Cups have you been to, Peter? Have you visited? Uh, three. Three, three yeah. yeah. The first one with Peter Steve was was playing in, in England yeah. and then at um, Japan. Yeah. And which was the other one? Under 20? Under 20, yes. Under 20 at, 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 at um, Krumpen in Cape Town. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. That's that's correct. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. yes. So, well, I was I was I was thinking on the one I must still go yeah. <laughs> as the third one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we all I'm sure we're all looking forward to France yeah, in a couple looking, of years. Yes, um, and just to, and just yeah, again, just to add rugby. Um, your your other sons um, and their sort of different interest levels in the game, and is it something that they was it? I mean, was the touch rugby and the 
and the copper stump here was it a, was it competitive as the boys yeah. were growing up? When they was when they was in school, they were very very competitive. Yeah. Really, every every Sunday evening we had play in front, we had play in front, and then Peter Stephen Johan, Johan is the second one. They was one in on one side, and me and the two other youngsters, we was on the other side, and it was that's rugby. Yeah, Ach, that is. Two minutes, yeah. then the chat truck be changing into tackle truck, yeah. <laughs> and then we go for each other. Yeah. And uh, okay, now I was, I was now I was bigger than them all. And yeah. when Peter Steve was getting older, and yes, as the one day he was tackling me, and I said, okay, I'm finished, I'm finished <laughs> now. And he said, no, no, he will never tackle me as hard as. And then I think he never tackled me then so hard. But then Johanna tackled yeah, me yeah, so yeah. hard, and I still remember. Yeah, so that they give me a. That give, but that's fantastic times, really yeah, fantastic yeah. times. Johan, Johan is playing, was playing for the Stormers. He had the injury still. Yeah. Anton, he has been playing for the Martis, Varsity Cup for the Martis, and he's still planning planning to play this year also. And then luckily, I think Daniel, who has finished now his agricultural degree, he was also starting to playing for Martis a little bit, but I think he's also the clever one who come and join me on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must be quite, I mean, I guess it's, uh, yeah, it must be quite difficult. I mean, obviously having four sons and I'm sure they all love it on the farm and, uh, you know, they've got, I know Anton was saying he's going into medicine, a, medicine, you know, a career yeah, in medicine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, as a, as a father and a farmer um, and you think about legacy and you think about, stuff 10, 20, 30 years down the line. I mean, are you kind of, do you sort of hope that all your sons be, want to become farmers or you hope that one of them, or how does it? Do you know, we're sitting a lot of times on this table around, we'll be sitting now and we discussed it and then, uh, okay, Anton always say, you want to, you don't want to be in, really involved, getting involved in the farm, but you want to stay on the farm. <laughs> so I say, okay, it's fine. But I think all three of them has shown me they want to be involved in the farm, but, I think the farmer will be definitely Daniel, which yeah. is the youngest one at the moment. He had starting two weeks ago. Johan, I think I, if I can dream now, I see Johan more in the marketing marketing area. And I think Peter Steph that he can be also a little bit in the marketing and, and overall, and overall managing and helping and everything. So the eight feet will, there will always be the eight feet here. Yeah, we some hope, way, in we some way. really hope so. We want to really hope so uh, to keep the eight feet uh, brand still stronger and yeah. get it from more stronger. Yeah, and get them, yeah, living the brand if you're living yeah, here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then Peter, just looking ahead to to France, you're obviously you know touch wood, gonna we'll see you out there. Touch wood, we're looking looking uh, looking really forward to, to to see it because I'm in the wine industry also. So yeah, yeah. so you can combine a little bit. Uh, you can put it as a, as a work trip, a business yeah, trip. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm going to work there. <laughs> I'm going to really work hard, very hard. I will take weekends off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but will you go for the Will you go for the whole tournament? I will not sure if I go for a world tournament because it is, but yeah, I can go for a world tournament. I have a new guy on the farm oh, here, the Daniel. <laughs> I forget about him. Yeah, he works so, hard. Yeah, no, you yeah, brought yeah, it up yeah. to this. You deserve so, a six weeks off. <laughs> I think um, if you're not, we'll go for a whole tournament and then I will go differently for the last three games. Yeah, and Peter, you very, you've obviously keep yourself fit and you've got some cycling here on the farm. Um, you, you still enjoy your ride. You're, you're, you're still... I, I, I still, I still, uh, I, I, I take my TW Suzuki. <laughs> <laughs> <It's better. laughs> well, um, we're we're going to be doing a, a final three-day ride from Twickenham to the Stade de France for the, the leading up to the opening weekend. So if you do come out for the whole tournament, you want to come out for a few days early. 
please come join us as our guest on a oh well thanks a lot thank you i think i will i will take on that one (laughs) (laughs) well it's on audio it's been recorded so (laughs) but 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 with an engine (laughs) (laughs) that'd be good um all right peter thank you so much i mean it's uh, what a yeah privilege to meet you um and so having read the story of the farm and not be able to come and see it it's a fantastic story and uh yeah, I mean, as I say, we're on our second day of our trip and uh, yeah, we're already meeting super cool, interesting people and uh, oh, thank yeah. you so much. And thank yeah. you for your generosity of sort of connecting us with your, your friends and people in the Northern Cape and further yeah. up here and uh, we're definitely going to take you up on us. No, fantastic. And I really, would, uh, really, my, my dreams is that you be, will be safe, the most important thing and that nothing will happen to you and that you're really making a big success and and I think if I can see in your two faces, you will make it and you will make it and enjoy it. That is the most important thing in life to enjoy it. All right. So well, thanks so much, Peter. Uh, so that brings to end episode two of the Race to Rugby World Cup pod. We'll send you, we'll send you the link. Thanks um, a lot. Thank you. you. you know, and if you're enjoying this pod, um, you know, please subscribe and tell your friends all about it. And don't, don't forget that this is a big fundraising trip. So please look at the, the links below in the show notes. Um, and if you, if you feel inspired, please go and make a contribution to our fundraising efforts. Thank you very much. Thanks Thank a lot. you, Peter. Thank Great you. to meet you. Thank you. Bye, Donkey.